Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are in the world, and uh, welcome to The Intuitive Customer. Um, so welcome to um, uh, my good friend, Professor Ryan Hamilton. Welcome, Colin. Say hi. How are you? Uh, well, I'm actually working from my office today. It's graduation day here in Atlanta. So uh, I'll be putting on my very stylish polyester gown in a couple of hours and, and heading out to hand out diplomas. So a very exciting day here. Excellent. Good. Well, I'm doing nothing, no excitement. All I've got is internal meetings this afternoon. So I think I would you, you rather be with you. You down to those if you want to, Colin. Can I spice it up a little bit? I'll leave that to you. Yeah, yeah, you never know your luck. Maybe we should wear a clown's outfit or something like that. That'd be more appropriate for me. Tattered wig. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. So, Ryan, what are we discussing today? We're discussing, in fact, I think one of your favorite topics. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. So today we're going to talk about halo effects, um, which I like because I think they're very interesting and practical, but I also do some research in this area. So uh, halo effects were first identified by a guy named Edward Thorndike way back in the 19-teens. Um, I think he published his first paper on it in 1920. And uh, he was an interesting guy. He was interested in the person perception. So his research was in how do people evaluate other people. Uh, and he worked with um, a, a branch of the military, I think the army, and he looked at how uh, officers rated the men under their command. And what he noticed was people's ratings of an individual were far more consistent than they should be, given just kind of statistical properties of the way the universe is organized. He found that if somebody, if some officer liked a person, then they rated that man as being good on almost everything. And if they disliked him, then they rated him as being bad on almost everything. This led Thorndike to um, create a, this, this theory about the way we evaluate other people, which it turns out is similar to the way we evaluate almost anything. And the idea is that instead of forming an evaluation of every single individual attribute that relates to a person or a thing or a brand or a company or an experience, Instead, we seem to form this overall impression that this thing is good or this thing is reliable or this person is kind or smart. And then we use that, that overall impression and it has this, this halo that bleeds out into anything specific that we evaluate. So if I consider you to be an, uh, an intelligent person, then if someone were to ask me any specific questions about you, I would go back to that overall impression of, oh, Colin's smart, so he probably likes this, or he would probably do this. We're very willing to to over-apply that, that general impression to lots of specifics. So how is that impression created then? What, what does the organization do to create that impression? And I, and I presume what we're discussing here, well, I, I know this, obviously, but um, I, what we're discussing here is also overall brand, yes. you know, the, the perception of... A brand. So, yeah. so, how does that get created? 
So uh, a lot of different ways. Um, there, there's not one single path to creating these overall impressions. Um, in people, they tend to be formed based on very easily identifiable traits. So things like physical attractiveness, um, height, um, these things are really influential in that initial phase of forming that impression. Obviously, as we get to know somebody better, we have more information that we use to build up that impression over time. Um, but in people, it's these initial easily identifiable things. In, um, in brands is one of the ways that um, this halo effect research has, has pushed forward. Uh, and so anything that is used to manage a brand would manage these impressions. So uh, the messaging that we send through advertising, uh, the, the prices that we, we sell our things through, um, where it's available, all these things contribute to this overall impression of is this a high-quality brand? Is this brand reliable? So, um, so some of the specific research that I do in Halo Effects is how they relate to pricing and how people evaluate prices. So uh, some of the work that I've done, we found that um, people sometimes evaluate price based on the, the Halo or the brand of the place that it's sold. So, for instance, I, I ran a, a study with a colleague at the University of Chicago, and um, we changed the prices of Tropicana orange juice and told people that it was either sold at Whole Foods, which is very high price image, expensive store by reputation, or Jewel Oscar, which is a, a regional grocery chain that's, that's more moderate in price. And within a pretty wide latitude of prices, it didn't matter how high or low we went on the price of Tropicana. If people heard that it was from Whole Foods, they just assumed that that was a high price. Right? So we, we went lower and lower and lower on this price, and as long as it was coming from Whole Foods, it didn't matter. People just assumed right. that it was expensive. Right. And obviously the, the, the same would appear the other way then, would it? Yeah, that's right. So again, within, within boundaries. Um, but if you've got a reputation for having great service and somebody goes in and they have kind of a an experience that's kind of difficult for them to evaluate, nothing really stands out one way or the other, they may walk away from it just assuming that their experience was good because you have a reputation for good service. And I didn't have any particular reason to disprove that. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. This clearly then applies to, so when we, we talk about this with our clients, one of the things that we discuss is that this applies to sort of industries as well. Tell me if, tell me yes. if you think I'm wrong. So if you turn around and say the healthcare industry or you turn around and say um, cable companies, then by definition you're already put in a box before you, you you could be the best cable company in the world. I I hasten to add, I don't think there is ever such a thing throughout the world. I've never met a good cable company yet. Um, But, you know, you could actually... In theory, yes. I mean, we are talking the future here. You know, I I do keep talking to a number of cable companies and saying there's this big opportunity here for someone to get this right, but nobody ever seems to take... Take me up on my offer. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that applies to industries just as much as it applies to brands and, and applies to individuals as well. Absolutely, yeah. In fact, you can think of it almost as the interaction between the, between the two, right? So part of your impression of this company is going to be based on what industry it's in, right? If, if it's yeah. a spa, then you know most spas have a certain reputation. And then within that industry, you're going to have an additional component of whatever individual branding that you do. So if I call my cable company and I have kind of a neutral, nebulous experience, I may just assume that it was a bad experience because the, uh, the cable companies always give bad experiences. Sure, sure. Let me so, put one caveat on this before we move forward. There you go. Uh, there, the prediction then is that people form impressions or, or make evaluations as consistent with the halo. Um, that, and that will happen a lot of the time. There's an exception, though. If you have a very good, well-defined reference point, then the opposite can happen, right? So if you know exactly what a, a experience is that you're expecting and you go into this high-quality store that has a good reputation for pricing, then you could set that expectation higher and therefore be disappointed by it. Yeah. So there can be a backfire effect if you very specifically know what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. But in a lot of these cases where people are not really well-informed or... or don't know exactly what they want, then we see this kind of conforming to the halo. Yes. So that so to to to, to look at that from a customer experience perspective, going back to your spa example, um, if we if we are going into that industry, what we should be doing is understanding what customers' expectations are, Very because good. if we think that they are going to be X and they're actually Y then we could be going in and we think we're doing well, but actually we're not uh, because the customer's expectation is that of something very low. That's exactly it. Yeah, so it, you can think of it from a segmentation perspective. If you're serving a group of customers who are new to spas, who don't go frequently, for whom this is kind of an unusual treat, they probably don't have a well-set expectation. And so you might expect that group is going to be easier to please because they're going to just assume that as long as nothing bad happened, um, this is probably a great experience. Spas have good experiences. On the other hand, if you're serving a group that goes to spas frequently, has a very well-defined idea of what they're expecting, that group's going to be hard to please, because you're going to get this backfire effect, where they're expecting a lot. Sure. So, again, I have my own views on this, but I'm going to ask you a question then. Please. Uh, So, how do you... What happens when your halo breaks? Yeah. Well, bloody hell, that halo's just broken. And, you know, uh, and not that United had a particularly good halo around their heads in the first place, yeah. but, you know, how and what happens when a halo breaks? Yeah. You... It's, um, so your point about branding is a good one. Uh, one way of looking at these halo effects is that they route a lot of what we might assume are objective evaluations through branding. So going back to the price example, the way to manage those prices is by managing the brand, right? And so for United, um, and we're recording this just a couple of weeks after United encouraged police officers to give a customer a concussion, um, <laughs> that's damaged their brand as related to service, Um and so what that's going to mean is that customers who are flying United, and probably most airlines actually, 
Don't they have all to industry. Sorry? They all wear helmets on the plane. Exactly. <laughs> um, people are posting videos on YouTube like with self-defense tips for if you're flying United, and it's, it's been bad. Um, but now people are going to be more sensitive to anything that might possibly look like a service failure. They're going to yeah. start interpreting neutral experiences more negatively because that's the reputation of United. Like that, they're just they're creating this this halo right. um, that this brand that's going to happen. So, so to your question, what do you do when your halo breaks? That's essentially a sign that your brand has become corrupted or polluted. It's uh, it's got negative value. Well, you need to resuscitate your brand then. United could go yeah. about objectively improving quality in terms of, of service and experience, and it may or may not actually affect what people think of them. If they if they specifically set about doing things that rehabilitate the brand, though, that, I would argue, will be more effective through this halo effect. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. The, the interesting thing for me is that, um, and a question we get a lot is, um, you know, if you're ren- not renowned, but if you're known for not providing a great experience, how long does it take to move it or move that perception round? And um, we, uh, one of our first clients, actually, when we we started Beyond Philosophy uh, back in 2002, was a was an English water company called Yorkshire Water, um, and they uh, back in '95 were famous for the fact that they ran out of water. Okay. And uh, now, for, to run out of water in England is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> okay, but they did manage to achieve it. Yeah, they, they did manage to achieve it. Did they tried um, to a dry sponge out the window. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually, it was quite. Uh, it took about a PR nightmare. They had the picture of the CEO who was going across the border of the Yorkshire Waters Authority to go to his mum's house to have a shower. <laughs> and they had a picture of him coming out of the shower, and he put a paper bag over his head. Oh, <laughs> it was madness. Um, anyway, um, the, um, so the, the, the point I was trying to get to is they actually went from being, and the Financial Times called them this, they went from being the most ridiculed company in the UK, water company in the UK, to the most respected water company in the UK. And they did that over a period of time by just starting off by sort of focusing on the basics, making sure all those were right. We then got involved with them when we started talking about an emotional experience. And, and gradually it sort of built up over a period of time. But I remember when we were chatting to them, one of their problems was the mean time between contacts with that, that organization was, was seven years. Okay, I mean, if you think about your water company, other than the bill coming through the door, how often do you ever phone them? You, know, right. you may phone them if you run out of water. But you, you, so the point I'm trying to make is that it, it you know, if if you have a failure or you know a few bad failures, it you can clearly start b- 
building that rep, that halo and mending that halo over a period of time. But I guess it also depends on how many contacts you have or how many times other people have said things. Because I guess, sorry, long waffle this, but I guess it's also about other people contributing towards the building or the destruction of that halo, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so a couple of examples. Uh, Whole Foods has very famously now for more than a decade been actively trying to, to change their reputation for prices. They've been trying to lower their price image. Their, their CEO has done investor calls about it. There have been stories about it in the New York Times. They've been trying to do all this stuff, and they can't budget. Um, and the CEO at one point got frustrated and, and actually started blaming the press. He sounded like a politician. Um, yeah. He said, you know, you guys keep, keep saying whole paycheck, whole paycheck, and it's just, you know, we, we can't get anywhere. Uh, I would argue that. He wasn't also saying, let's make Whole Foods great again, was he? No, Whole Foods is still great. I don't know where you're getting your information. Um, but they, and, and part of the frustration was that they, they're actually relatively competitive on prices. So if you look at the comparable goods, kind of what they talk about, the, the interior of the grocery store, the, the perimeter where they've got the, the deli and the, the specialty foods and the flowers and, those that's expensive. Like that's relative. If you look at the like the canned goods and the juices and the soda, that stuff's a little bit more expensive, but it's kind of it's fairly comparative. Um, but they were mostly focused on prices when they were trying to change their price image. And I would argue that that will never succeed for Whole Foods because everything about a Whole Foods screams high prices as soon as you walk in the door before you even look at the first price tag. You know, they're just, they're immaculate, they're beautiful, they have the, the vegetables stacked in color-symmetrical pyramids and, and fresh-cut flowers, and the, all that stuff overpowers this other message. So, yeah. to, to your question, like, how are you going to repair your, your halo? You need to, to repair everything, right? It needs to be a consistent message going across. So, back to your, your water example, if they had just changed a few things about delivery and made sure they never ran out of water again probably wouldn't have been enough. It needed to be a consistent full press message that said yeah. reliable, we care, we get it. And then over yeah. time, change that. Yeah. I remember one of the um, a story of one of the, it was either Home Depot or Lowe's, I think, that were when they first created the sort of the warehouse of DIY. Yeah. And so the story goes that the CEO went in there the night before it was meant to be launched and everybody had really tidied the place up and made it look nice and polished and everything else. And rightly so, he said, no, that's not the image that I want. You know, I want this to have a feel of a, of a warehouse because a feel of a warehouse makes people go, that's cheap and, you know, all those other things. So I guess it, I guess for me, it goes back to, you know, what's that experience that you're trying to deliver? Can you articulate that and then back everything up, um, up, uh, up against, up against that becomes the key. Yeah. Make sure it all lines up so that everything is delivering a consistent message, whatever that message is. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of the intuitive customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. 
That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. What are the best suggestions for changing a halo when you're perceived to have high prices? So Colin talked about uh, the Yorkshire water example, getting the fundamentals right. Um, that's always a good first step. Uh, you, you might be able to fool people for a while and tell them you got low prices when you don't. Um, but the reality is you, you need to be right on what's fundamental. But I would also argue that's likely not enough. Um, people form these halos based on all kinds of signals that they're getting. So um, if you want to form a, a lower price image, lower your, your halo for prices, you know, it's got to look the part. Anecdotally, Colin talked about uh, them scuffing up the floors at the Home Depot before opening. <clears throat> that, uh, anecdotally, uh, Walmart drops these big um, cartons full of stuff in the middle of their store aisles um, that's on sale. People complained about that, said it was too cluttered, hard to get around, so they started removing those um, big pallets, and people started complaining about the high prices. Um, right? We use these signals, uh, and so if you want to lower your price image, you're going to have to lower all the signals that are related to price. Now, that's hard. Part of the reason Whole Foods has been unsuccessful is because being successful in lowering their price image would fundamentally change their brand. Right? They would have to, to do stuff yeah. that is not consistent with Whole Foods' image at, at all, and that, that's a hard place. Uh, and I think for me there's a couple of other things, that, because as Ryan was saying, you know, there are many things that alters people's perception. So I think that for me what you've got to try to find out, what we talk about is what drives value, okay? Yeah. So, and again, so this can go down to segmentation and all that type of stuff, but but which are the levers that you, if you pull this, will have that effect on increased brand perception or not? It could be the scuffing of the floors in the warehouse. It could be nothing to do with that. It could be, you know, the, the banners or whatever. So understanding those things, I think, is important. The other key for me is consistency. Yes. So, you know, don't have a, don't think just putting up a for sale sign is going to change people's perception. The consistency of the feel and whichever, whether you're going high end or low end, whatever, consistency becomes key. Uh, what happens when your brand or halo effect is currently very polarized? Um, at any given time, a customer may get an amazing experience or a very terrible experience, depending on which customer service rep they, they got assigned. So for me, the issue there is consistency. You know, are you recruiting consistently the type of person that you want who is good at delivering the experience that you're trying to deliver? And if you're not, you know, if you've got a good rep and a bad rep, that's not good. Yeah. You know, ideally you want lots of good ones. So that then becomes um, about uh, recruitment. Remember that they... Remember that the impression exists in the mind of the consumer, and so for that customer, it's probably not inconsistent. It's probably one or the other, and if if you've had both a good experience with the rep and a bad experience with the rep, those negative experiences tend to be much more powerful. So the chances yeah. are the halo is bad, even yeah. if there are some really great reps out there doing good work. Uh, do you find that lots of businesses tend to just meet or exceed standards in their own industry versus striving to reset the bar regardless of what customers accept um, as part of their industry? And the answer for me for that is yes, basically. Um, you know, let me not rattle on about telecoms, but I will. 
um, you know, telecoms seem to just compare themselves against other telecoms. Um, and that's typically what happens. And the danger is, is if you're in an industry that has not got a good reputation, um, you know, being the best of a bad bunch is, n- n- for me, not not an exciting place to work. You should be pushing yourselves uh, much, uh, much further than that. Yeah, I, as a general rule, companies are too focused on their own industries. Customers are usually not evaluating you based on your competitors in the industry. They've got some expectation about just how people should interact with other human beings or um, you know, what service should be like in general. And so being the best in your category may or may not be relevant to the customer. Uh, they may have a different set of expectations. Good. Okay. Well, I'm conscious of the time, so we're going to need to sign off. We we hope that this is useful. If you want more information about the um, the halo effect, then please read the book. We've got a whole chapter on it here. Good. Okay. Thanks a lot, everyone. Very well. Right. And good luck, Ron, and, um, you. with your marshalling today. I, I will try not to trip um, in front of everybody. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on the Intuitive Customer.